are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Can we get an F in the chat for the Las Vegas Raiders? Welcome to Locked On Dolphins. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs. Another Victory Monday episode of Locked On Dolphins. Today's episode is brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers because Pepsi is made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Welcome to Locked On Dolphins. We're going to crack one open here. Victory Monday, Las Vegas Raiders, Miami Dolphins 26 25, the Miami Dolphins 10 and 5 on the season. And for as bad as it was a few weeks ago, week 14 was a disaster week for the Miami Dolphins. Everybody else won. We were looking for the Cleveland Browns to help us out and beat the Baltimore Ravens. Didn't happen. The Dolphins themselves lost by six to the Kansas City Chiefs. Kind of go on and on and on and on. We were looking for the Pittsburgh Steelers to beat the Buffalo Bills. Didn't happen. Take that and flip it on its head completely. And that's what Week 16 was for the Miami Dolphins. The Week 16 action from start to finish was the most beneficial individual week of the Miami Dolphins season thus far. Miami bearing the fruits of their labor, going 5-2 and two on the road. Ball don't lie, Vegas. Ball don't lie. And what I mean by that is... Uh, there's a 0% chance that wasn't offensive pass interference on Nelson Aguilar on the 85-yard touchdown in the fourth quarter. Just like there's a 0% chance that was actually defensive pass interference on Byron Jones. So, ball don't lie. The ball ends up bouncing the Dolphins' way just enough that the Dolphins win the game that they've been trying to win all season long. And that is the game in which they don't get off to the favorable script They're playing a team that is more physical than them. And they have to try to chase the game and find a way to win. Now, of course, Dolphins fans will point to, it took the insertion of Ryan Fitzpatrick and 182 yards in the final eight minutes of the football game uh, to get that done, to chase the game and and successfully come back. And I'm going to share some of my thoughts on why this is happening and how much of this is scheme and how much of this is personnel and how much of this is Tua and how much of it is Fitz and Chan Gailey and all that nonsense. We're going to touch on that today. But for now, let's just, top of the show, let's have a sip. Let's enjoy the fact that the Dolphins are 10-5, and that the Dolphins now have, instead of win and in, is your proposal for Week 17 to get into the postseason, and if you had 10 wins... You probably were going to miss the playoffs to now having four different levels of pathways to make the postseason based on everything else that happened in week 16, including our good friend Adam Gase. Jets won another football game and the Jets just didn't win a football game. They beat the Browns, the Dolphins number one contender for a playoff spot. The Jets won this football game 23 16, two fourth corner turnovers for the Jets helped keep the Browns from climbing back into a game that the Jets were winning at one point, 20-3. to 
So, because the Browns lost and the Browns play the Pittsburgh Steelers, if the Browns lose, regardless of what the Dolphins do next Sunday, the Dolphins are in the playoffs. The Colts lost to the Steelers. Now they played the Jacksonville Jaguars, but Jacksonville has since clinched the number one pick. Jacksonville beat Indianapolis in week one. If the Colts lose to the Jaguars, regardless of what the Dolphins do, the Dolphins are in the playoffs. And, of course, Baltimore Ravens, they're playing Cincinnati Bengals, who did the Dolphins yet another solid, put them on the Christmas card list next year. The Bengals beat the Houston Texans to push the Texans to 4-11 on the season. We're going to touch on that today as well. If the Bengals can upset the Baltimore Ravens, regardless of what the Dolphins do in Week 17 against the Bills, the Dolphins make the playoffs. So one of any of those three teams loses or Miami wins, the Dolphins make the postseason. 538 has the Dolphins currently pegged at 72% odds to make the playoffs. ESPN's FPI Football Power Index has them at 82% to make the playoffs. Life is good going into Week 16 or Week 17 against the Buffalo Bills. It's this game specifically against the Raiders. I don't want to put the carp before the horse here. Um, This game would have been a lot more in hand for Miami without Darren Waller. (laughs) Um, Darren Waller was effectively unstoppable. Eric Rowe had some really good coverage. I know Dolphins fans may see Eric Rowe giving up receptions to Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller and kind of griping about his ability as a, a tight end coverage option. Those guys are the best of the best of the position. In, two, in the year 2020, they are the best tight ends in the NFL, George Kittle aside, because George Kittle's not been healthy. There's no shame in losing 50-50 balls to an athletic freak like Darren Waller. Would you have wished one of them would have freaking popped out? Yes. But anytime he was, Darren Waller was the Raiders' break glass in case of emergency here. And Derek Carr kept going back to the well, and sure enough, he had five receptions for 112 yards on six targets. If Darren Waller's not a, a factor, and I think that's an important note for us to make as we look to the Dolphins moving forward, thinking about teams in the playoffs, who has the X factors that the Dolphins will struggle to negate? And if you can find the teams that don't have the X factors, those are the teams you want to play. The Bills' X-factor next week will be Stephon Diggs. Fortunately, he plays wide receiver. Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, both healthy for this football game. I'd expect a whole healthy dose of Xavier Howard on Stephon Diggs. Let's lock him down. I didn't feel that way the first time around, but Xavier Howard, that was before Xavier Howard proved he was healthy and was playing at a defensive player of the year caliber. The Dolphins in this football game against the Raiders. Some chunk plays. Clayton Fejlum, fake punt. 22-yard run. Miles Gaskin had a 24-yard run. Miles Gaskin had a 59-yard catch. Matt Collins had a 34-yard catch. Mike Kosecki had a 31-yard catch. Explosive plays. The Dolphins need more of them. I was surprised to see such a small impact for Lynn Bowen Jr. He had just three touches for 14 yards. Now, maybe we're we're getting a little overexcited to have that, that high of an expectation for him that he is going to be a featured player every week. Um, and it, it seemed like the offense in general needed to do 
what Ryan Fitzpatrick was willing to do, which was push the ball up the seam. And now's as good a time as any to get into this conversation about what Tua was seeing versus what Ryan Fitzpatrick was seeing. I do think they called the the game a little differently for each quarterback, and some of that comes down to Tua Tungvalu being a rookie. There's no shame in being conser- being a conservative play caller with a rookie quarterback. I would rather you play it too close to the vest than be overly aggressive and open the window for one of Tua's best appealing traits, which is his ball security, uh, to get thrown out the window because you're, you're being too aggressive. That said, Tua selectively, and he said this himself, needs to find consistently the tight hole shots to throw. I myself have not had a chance to, to work through the entirety of the game tape, but I did see a little breakdown from Dante Colinelli on Twitter, and he did a nice job highlighting the Dolphins ran the same concept with both Tua Tungvaloa and Ryan Fitzpatrick. It was a seam route. Uh, Fitz hit Mike Gusecki for the big play that put him down to tie the game in the fourth quarter, whereas Tua elected not to throw his. And they were both against kind of this Tampa 2, Mike linebacker sinking underneath the seam. But in middle of the field open coverage, that throw, when Raquan McMillan is the inside linebacker, you take it. And you should hit it. And Dante did a nice job highlighting it. Uh, and, and he was absolutely right in saying that seam shot should be thrown. Tua didn't throw it. Fitz did throw it. So for as much as there is this perception of you know, different styles of calling the game, and I think to a certain degree that's you know, not incorrect, but I think it, it really, the Dolphins had more opportunities to push the ball than what Tua actually threw. Why is this happening? This is the, the million-dollar question. Why is, is Tua not having success pushing the ball down the field against zone coverage specifically? And I think what it stems from is Tua's being really preached and teached on ball security. Tua is used to receivers that have ample separation. And the Dolphins receivers are not receivers that win early or on the line of scrimmage. The Dolphins receivers are receivers that win late at the top of routes. Their most agile and dynamic athletes are players who were playing college quarterback last year at the wide receiver position uh, in Malcolm Perry and Limbone Jr. Of course, Jakeem Grant would be an exception to this, but Jakeem Grant went out with an injury again after a really uh, frustrating first-half performance in which he let a, a punt hit the ground and cost the Dolphins about 20 yards of field position, and he runs a shallow drag route on third and six and uh, bobbles the ball so badly when it hits him in stride uh, that if he caught it on the first try, he probably would have gained 40, 50 yards with it, but instead, uh, he didn't even get the first down. So I think there is a skill player dynamic here that is a limiting factor. Devontae Parker not being on the field again is, man. There was a report ahead of the Patriots game that Parker was going to be ready to go against the Patriots. That did not materialize. He did not play. But if that report comes out, if you're that close, that the report comes out against the Patriots that you're going to play, how, a week later, are you not ready to play the Raiders? I don't have the answer. And, and maybe it is a more significant injury than just the, the hamstring sprain that, we're, that we were reported 
to be dealing with. But I really struggle with the Dolphins in must-win scenarios. A hamstring sprain is going to keep Devontae Parker, the Dolphins' number one wide receiver, out of a game when he was reported to be nearly ready to go the week before and was expected to play the week before before a last-minute change by the Dolphins. So there's that factor. Without Devontae Parker, like even if there's not chemistry with him and Tua Tagovailoa at this point, there's an attention factor that has to go into Devontae Parker. And when those reps are instead going to Mac Hollins, you're going to get a lesser degree of respect. You're going to get a more evenly spaced zone coverage of the entirety of the field. They're going to dare you to hit them in the second level, in the third level. And Tua didn't do it. He did not do it in the game. And uh, I would just remind Dolphins fans that the, uh, the dynamics of this quarterback room work because Fitz is 38, 39 years old. He's not a long-term threat. The Dolphins are well within their rights to look for the spark. This is their opportunity to have their cake and eat it too because for every opportunity that the Dolphins take to sit Tua and let him observe Ryan Fitzpatrick in a game situation that Tua is floundering within, that is a helpful experience. And not only is that a helpful experience, he's still getting valuable reps. So the Dolphins, they're kind of walking this tightrope of winning football games, developing rookies. We've talked about that on the show before. But the alternative is to just leave Tua out there, let him get knocked around. Maybe he puts it together after 52 minutes of not putting it together. And maybe he doesn't. And if he doesn't, then you are selling the rest of your team short for the here and now. So this is the Dolphins getting the best of both worlds. And because Brian Flores has the locker room, his thumb on the locker room the way that he does, his thumb on the quarterback room the way that he does, and the trust of his players in the way that he does, and he has the Dolphins at 10-5, and five, that's why Brian Flores is a no-brainer choice for the coach of the year. You don't see teams play musical chairs at the quarterback position like this, and the reason why you don't see it is because teams don't have a coach like Brian Flores to have the communication and relations with his players that Brian Flores has. And I like it. I like the messaging of, we're going to play the guy who thinks we gives us the best chance to succeed. And schematically, that's Tua. Ball security-wise, that's Tua. But if we get stuck and we got to let it rip, we'll go to Fitz. The message that tells the rest of the team is we're going to treat the quarterbacks just like everybody else. And from Tua Tungvalu's perspective, a guy who's endured the potential end of his, of his playing career with the hip injury and playing in Alabama and true freshman coming in at halftime in a national championship game and leading a fourth quarter comeback. If that breaks you, if, if Tua being sat for Ryan Fitzpatrick, a 38, 39-year-old Ryan Fitzpatrick, in week 11 against Denver, week 10 against Denver, and week 16 against the Raiders. If that breaks your confidence as a player, you've got bigger issues as a potential franchise quarterback, and I don't think that's going to break Tua Tungvaloa. And clearly, neither does Brian Flores. And based on Tua Tungvaloa's reaction to the Dolphins having the success that they have on the field and Ryan Fitzpatrick going out and playing his balls off and leading the Dolphins back to a victory, I don't really think Tua cares right now either. We before me, team first. 
Everybody, that this is why there's no room for egos in the Miami Dolphins locker room. And for Brian Flores to get the buy-in that he has, coach of the year. Point blank period, no questions asked. The Dolphins are getting ready to play the Buffalo Bills in Week 17. And uh, if you keep your ear to the ground on the betting front, uh, the NFL regular season coming to a close, there's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust, betonline.ag. You can sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. Here's the deal. Dolphins, four-point underdogs uh, as of yesterday to the Buffalo Bills in Week 17. Are the Bills playing for playoff seeding? Uh, are the Dolphins going to be able to craft an upset regardless of whether or not the Bills play everyone or not? There's some hay to be had here. So go to betonline.ag, create your free account, Use the promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus and get in on the action for yourself. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Visit betonline.ag. Use the promo code Locked On. Get that 50% welcome bonus. It seems as though there, there's a little bit more of a tempered reaction uh, to the Fitz move, and I think it's because Dolphins fans have seen Flores go back to Tua after making that decision the first time. So there is the more of the trust there from the fan base that Tua Tungavaloa will be the starting quarterback. And Brian Flores wasted absolutely zero time in the postgame press conference. Did the developments today have you second-guessing your quarterback situation? No. Long, awkward silence. So who will be your starting quarterback in Week 17 against Buffalo? Tua is a starter. Period. It's the same thing as the Denver game. And when it happened the last time against Denver, when Tua took the field again, he threw for 296 and over 300 and won Pepsi Rookie of the Week two consecutive weeks. His learning curve, his trial by fire in the NFL, I think it's more valuable for the Dolphins to evaluate how they move forward with ample flexibility in building the supporting cast around him. And the fact that the Dolphins are able to walk the tightrope and get wins is just gravy. And still have, by the way, a top five pick courtesy of the Houston Texans. So that's kind of where, you know, as we shift and look at the limitations, and you know, it's so prominent to us because of uh, Tua not finishing the game and, and Ryan Fitzpatrick playing the role of like old St. Nick and, and delivering Dolphins fans the greatest present of all time and this miracle prayer coming down from the rafters of Elysian Stadium with his face turned backwards towards his own end zone. God, what a great play. What an amazing play. What an amazing game, really. Um, the Dolphins need more receivers that win at the line of scrimmage. And I think that is the biggest takeaway from this game and the starting game sample, the nine-game starting sample size that we have of Tua Tungvaloa. The accuracy is great. When he's confident and he lets it rip, the results are there. But the consistency in seeing it and feeling it at the NFL level is not there yet. And getting the skill players to more closely mirror what he was experienced in playing in the past is an important piece of the puzzle that the Dolphins need to take place. So if that's Jamar Chase, if that's Jalen Waddell, if that's Devonta Smith, 
whoever. Get guys who win their reps early. So when Tua gets onto you, he already sees you have won and he will have more confidence to throw the football. Does that make him a bust? Does that make him a game manager? No. Not after nine games. If he still has the same tendencies four years from now, we'll talk. But us as Dolphins fans, you know, we, we want to answer. You're not going to have the answers you're looking for on Tua Tagovailoa after eight games either way. Either way. Because there, it's on the good and bad end of the spectrum. Robert Griffin III was amazing as a rookie. He's the backup in Baltimore. He was never the same after his rookie season. Washington fans told themselves, we've got the quarterback of the future right here, right now. We're set for the next decade to 15 years. Did that happen? No. You could very easily see quarterback struggles. Peyton Manning threw 29 interceptions his rookie season. John Elway was terrible as a rookie. Like, these are all-time great quarterbacks. It's not linear. And if the floor and the bottom for Tua is quote-unquote game manager, okay, If the Dolphins had a persistent running game, you'd be looking at a Dak Prescott 2016 type of player for Tua. And Dak Prescott has developed into a franchise quarterback that shoulders the burden of the entire Dallas Cowboys franchise when healthy on his shoulders, and he's capable of carrying it. This is the the worst version of Tua you're ever going to see. And if this is the worst version, we're, we're gravy, guys. We're set. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. So whether you're looking for a healthy snack, a breakfast on the go, something post-workout, or just like delicious things, Built Bar can fill the void for you. And best of all, Built Bar doesn't just taste good, it blows the nutritional facts of your typical protein bar out of the water. It's got 200 calories per bar or less, up to 20 grams of protein per bar, 18 delicious flavors to choose from, and one-seventh the grams of carbs and sugar of your typical protein bar. So if you're looking for a change-up in your diet, visit BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and you can save 20% off your next order of Built Bar. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON, to save 20% and find out what all the fuss is about for yourself. So the Bengals beat the Texans. And what that has effectively done is it has locked in the Miami Dolphins to a top 10 selection. After the loss in week 16, the worst this Texans pick can be is number nine in the order. But right now this pick is third in the order, third in the draft order. And it's already started a larger conversation for Dolphins fans, a lot of Dolphins fans of, what do you do with that pick? You're, you're, it's the third overall selection. You're presumably going to see Trevor Lawrence go at one to Jacksonville. That is clinched. That is a clinched pick. It's going to happen. Jacksonville will pick one. The Jets are clinched into the two pick. Jets could feasibly trade out in a quarterback situation and load up on draft picks. The Jets could take either Justin Fields or Zach Wilson from BYU, another quarterback, in which case the Dolphins could get they're the pick of any non-quarterback prospect in the NFL draft this year if the pick holds. And if if Houston loses to Tennessee next week, it'll be pick three or four. Like the, the floor with a loss is four. 
And the other team they're contending with is the Atlanta Falcons, who could probably get away with drafting a quarterback as well, considering Matt Ryan was drafted in 2008 and is like 36, 37 years old. Miami has a very realistic chance right now of getting any NFL draft prospect that's not that does not play quarterback with their first pick. Or, alternatively, there's a conversation to be had about trading out of that pick and where it really benefits the Dolphins is if they do get the third pick and that scarcity becomes real of teams want to get in front of Atlanta to get that final top three quarterback, Miami could drive a massive price for that pick. Say the Jets take Justin Fields and San Francisco's comes up, comes on the clock or, or at three because they trade up with the Dolphins from 14 to get Zach Wilson, who would be a great fit for their system. If the 49ers, who feel like they're a quarterback away from winning a Super Bowl, want to trade up from the teens into the top three to draft a quarterback, you are talking about a package of picks larger than what you got in Laramie Tunsil, and you're still picking in the teens. Like, and, and then you could go get Devonta Smith. You'd have three twos this year, probably two threes. You'd have two ones again in 2022, Two twos in 22. Like, you know what I mean? It can really accelerate on you in a hurry. So there's been nine instances of teams having a top five pick and being a playoff team in the same season. The Dolphins are poised to be the 10th. We've gone over the, the playoff scenarios. All you need to know is the Tennessee Titans, they are mathematically eligible to miss the playoffs. If Miami, Indianapolis, Cleveland and Baltimore all win and Houston beats Tennessee. Tennessee will not make the postseason. So Tennessee's going to have plenty to play for, especially after getting shellacked 40 to 14 in Green Bay last week, last night. Houston's going to have their hands full against a good Tennessee team that needs to play for their playoff lives. If that loss happens, man, lock it in. It's going to be a fun offseason. So that, that's, it's been a really thrilling 48 hours to be a Miami Dolphins fan. Everything that could have gone right did for the Dolphins. And uh, the more you reflect on the seeding purposes for the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Buffalo Bills and those dynamics of, of Pittsburgh and Buffalo, who do they play from their starters? I wouldn't be surprised if Pittsburgh rests some guys because Pittsburgh is locked into a playoff spot. They do not have a, have a head-to-head tiebreaker against the Buffalo Bills. And they probably genuinely do not care about the seeding so much as because of COVID, their bye week got royally screwed and it was super early in the season. They may just elect to rest guys anyway regardless. In which case, the Bills, if the Steelers are resting guys, the Bills may end up starting the game with their starters, but they also may take their foot off the gas as they are watching the scoreboard as well because there's less pressure for them to win the game to guarantee that they're going to get the the bye or the, the two seed. Lots to dig into this week. A lot of aftermath for the Dolphins and the quarterback dynamics and the rest of the roster. And I wish there was more focus on the rest of the team coming off of this win. This defense, another really good performance. Jerome Baker playing some good football. 
Dude's up to seven sacks this season. He's become the player that we were told he could be ahead of the 2019 season. Xavier Howard just barely missed pick number 10. The Dolphins, you know, aside of Eric Rowe having to face an all-world athlete in Darren Waller, thought they played a, a, a good game against a high-powered, potent Raiders offense. And the late-game situations from the coaching staff manipulating this game well enough in which they delivered, the Dolphins delivered, and the Dolphins won the football game. Power to the pod tomorrow. Your questions, your topics. I know there's already a lot of you hitting me in the DMs with specific questions about the draft. And we'll get a little bit into the draft because, like, we're on the doorstep, right? And this this Houston pick has made things really interesting. So we'll talk a little bit about that, but we got to talk about Week 17. we got to talk about playoff opponents. There's a ton. It is a great, exciting time to be Miami Dolphins fan. So hit subscribe on Locked On Dolphins. Keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins. All throughout the season, all throughout the offseason, your team every day. Kyle Krabs, thanks as always for listening, and I'll talk with you guys again tomorrow.